Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. But still, at the end, you know, uh, when you have an opportunity to win and you understand what's at stake for the Blazers, they're chasing a playoff spot. And for, for Lillard, it's not about so much the money or scoring 50 points in six games or any of that stuff. To him, it's about chasing legacy. And you can't really build on that legacy unless you're in the playoffs. And so given that they like two and a half, three games behind, you need games like that in these moments because they've only got about, what, 25, 30 more games to go? So I'm going to be hot. You know, if I'm Terry Stotts, I'm hot because that seemed to be a super easy call. But, again, you're in Utah. You put the game in the hands of the ref. You were up by 16. So at the end of the day, you're going to have to blame yourself. Right? The, the call was so egregious yeah. that – the NBA said, we're not even going to find Dame right. for his reaction. Right. You know, he was, he dropped an F-bomb, which for us, like if you, you know, gotcha. if you've seen Dame, like he's one of the most uh, even-keeled superstars you'll find in the league, right? right. He's not a guy that's really a, um, a lot class. of attitude, a lot. He's a, he's a class act, yeah. you know, and for, most, for the most case. So you look at a guy who's that pissed off and upset, and especially you're talking about a team who's fighting for playoff position right who's who's doing the most to get there there are a few games behind uh dame went on to say uh let's see um obviously uh, they cost us the game on an easy call uh we get into the last play of the game they miss an easy call and then they tell us it's, it's an easy no call and it's an obvious goaltend and then what makes it worse to kind of add insult to injury a little sprinkle a little salt in the wound referees come out the next day and say well we missed that call don't even tell me about it. Dave said, I don't even want to hear it. And cause, cause, You know what? Because we all knew it was coming. We right. all knew that, that the referees coming out saying, well, we may have missed a call. Really? You may have missed a call. That goes up there with some of the worst calls in history. So it had me thinking, Coach, um, outside of that, what are some of the worst calls in sports history? Like the worst no calls, I should say, in sports history. And instantly the first thing I think most recently we think of is the Saints-Rams yeah. NFC Championship game. The no call on the on the pass interference. That's the first thing I guess because it's the most recent. But that's the first thing that I think of because it really stopped the team from winning. More than that, going to the Super Bowl. If it had been during week eleven and both teams were good, nobody would have really cared like that. You know, remember the whole replacement ref things that happened during preseason. So it's something to talk about. Nah, you know, no one really cares like that. So uh, I'm curious. Do you have any? What's the worst no call that you've seen? At, at the pro level? At any level. At any level. Um, man, I, you know, I, I don't know if I can speak to any uh, pro game that I remember. Like, the, I think it was like the Lakers when they played the Sacramento Kings, and I'm a diehard Laker fan, and everybody had question marks about game six and about the calls that were made. So it wasn't one questionable call. It was a series of questionable decisions from the referees that brought the Lakers back into that series. 
Uh, but as a Laker fan, it felt good to me. I, I no, there to... wasn't. I guarantee there wasn't a Utah Jazz fan on Friday night that was like, "Oh, poor Blazers, right. that sucks." I saw people still clapping and all type of stuff. I actually watched the UFC fight last night: John Bones Jones against okay. uh, Reyes, Dominic Reyes. Right. And I'll be real: Reyes whooped Bones' ass for three of the five rounds, and still they gave the fight to Bones. Now they'll say it was a lot of takedown stuff mm. like that, but. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the the Timothy Bradley Manny Pacquiao fight. For those who follow boxing, uh, Bradley was getting beaten up really bad by Pacquiao, but right. still a surprise. He was surprised when he found out he won. It's like, oh, word, I, right. I won the fight. So I think about some of those things, and it's unfortunate because you can't get it back. Yeah. And if you're Damian Lillard, you had uh, some heroics towards the end of that right. game right. that have you know kind of continued to add to uh, the the legend that he's kind of building this year. But it was just an un- unfortunate uh, no call for really for basketball fans on a Friday night on national TV. Oh man, and you know Blazer fans ride hard, and Damien's kind of like Dr. J. Like if if he's complaining about a call, even if he uses a bunch of expletives, you you knew something was wrong. Yeah. And so um, that was just an unfortunate situation, you know, all the way around. But like I said, they got plenty of games to catch up ground. I have no doubt that the Blazers could finish. In that A spot, nobody's gonna catch. Uh, uh, I don't know who's in the seventh spot right now, but they're oh. like seven, eight games. Well, it's funny you bring that up because right. we're gonna talk about uh, the Blazers, Damian Lillard, and his incredible run and what that means for the Blazers moving forward. As we come back right here on Sports Sunday on the Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. I was about to say, bass drop. We just cut the music? Okay, I'll take it. (laughs) 9.15 here on The Fan. Sports Sunday has returned for the first week. Uh, Thank you for everybody for rocking with us for football Sunday as well. We want to make sure we take time uh, to say that. It's always, it's our most interactive season, arguably, arguably, uh, the most interactive show on the fan because we give out actual fantasy advice um, every week. You know, we have a fantasy guru, guru here in the building, and that's one Jesse Osmond. And, uh, you know, it, it was a great year, and at least not for me for fantasy, but for uh, fantasy scramble, it was an awesome year. So thank you guys for always interacting with us on Football Sunday. Hopefully, yeah, I think we did good. Yeah, I think we did really well. I mean, my team didn't do well, but, I, you know, neither one of them, Patriots or the or my fantasy team, but there's always next year, and we should be back. I mean, I won the I won the league, so. Oh well, I mean, I good mean, for you, but I did fine. Yeah, do you do uh, fantasy football? I do zero fantasy football. You know, like it's okay. Like I, I got kind of wheeled into it this year. Fantasy football just gives me anxiety more than anything. And, you know, it just, it just makes me like always have to check my phone and see who's doing what. And if I have a guy that plays for my team, but he's playing against me, I'm kind of rooting against my own team. Like it's it's the weirdest feeling. So. I don't Are know, you I'm making gonna, money? I mean, like, I dude. mean, sometimes, yeah, okay. depending on the league you play right. in. Like, these guys are definitely um, playing for for money, but for me, I'm like, uh, I'm not big. I'm not really keen on losing money. I'll I be usually, honest. Uh, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I normally play for free because I typically at least place in the top three, but I normally get in the point where, uh, like, I win money every once in a while, and typically I host the draft and I put my money towards like a barbecue for the draft or something. Well, Dame, Damian Lillard does not play for free. Actually, he has a, a very nice salary that he makes, and he is within the top three as well. As a matter of fact, he is third in the NBA right now in scoring at 29.8 points per game. Over the last 10 games, though, listen to these numbers, man. 41 points, 
9.2 assists a game, a steal, 5.3 rebounds. Like Damian Lillard is playing his best basketball of his career. And it's not even really, really close. Just the run that he's been on for the past little bit has really been uncanny. Now, that was a game in between there where I think he had 21 in the loss to um, who does he? I'm, I'm trying to pull it up right now, and the internet is going super fast right now. So thank you, Xfinity. But uh, yeah, Damian Lillard is somebody who's done everything he can to really keep Portland in the mix. You know, so he's had games so far. Listen to this, listen to this stretch. Um, he had 34 against OKC, or through two back-to-back 34-point games, both of which were losses. 61 in a win against Golden State, mm. 47 against Dallas, 50 against Indiana, 36 against Houston, 48 against the Lakers, 51 against Utah, uh, to, again, 21 and 26 against Denver and San Antonio, respectively, and then 42 against Utah. The only bad thing about it is, while they went on a four-game win streak, they also lost five of those games in between there. And I think that's where it's kind of you're like, oh, Dame's having this great game, but in a loss in in some cases. My question is, can Damian Lillard sustain this if the Blazers are to make a playoff run? Personally, I, I think he's going to run himself into the ground. If if this is if this is really the way that the Blazers have to play and the pace that he has to keep in order to get to the playoffs, I think Dame is going to run himself into Man, the ground. do not forget James Harden 30-game stretch last year. Where 30 he, for 30. Where he literally had to do something on that level. So can he sustain it? Absolutely. He's that skilled of a shooter and a confident hooper that I think, you know, not 50 or 60, but I think he could be in, you know, mid-30s. And I think he can get some help around him. Uh, so I do think this is sustainable. And they're going to need all of that because of injury – and, you know, a lack of defensive presence like a Mo Hartless, he's going to have to play Celestial, right? Yeah. Like he's going to have to play otherworldly and put this team on their back to be – to will themselves into a playoff spot for sure. Damian Lillard is uh, – his PER is 27.14. He's fifth in the NBA in that. He is having, again, a career year in every stat. Almost eight assists a game overall. Now, not just on the stretch, but just overall for the season – Damian Lillard has really established himself as not just one of the best players in the league, but easily now the best point guard in the league. I think uh, for me, I know that's no disrespect to Luka Doncic and really no disrespect to Trey Young, who I think is a phenomenal young player. But at this point in his, in, in his career, and this is without a Steph on the floor or something, man, Damian Lillard is the best point guard in the NBA. I would, I would take Dame before I took your Westbrooks, your only guy, only guy I would have a, a there'd be a real conversation about is Luka Doncic. I'd be like, I don't know if I would trade Dame for him. That's the only person right now, currently in the NBA, not in the NBA, excuse me, currently as a point guard that I would say, Ugh, I don't know, I don't know if I can give, if I could not trade Dame for Luka. Well, it's it's hard to say that anybody works harder than Dame because what was it three, four years ago we were like, yeah, we think he's an All Star. You know, this is, but there's so many good guards in the West, and no, he's not a shoe in. And now look at this: it's it, 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 his work ethic, his ability to every year and improve on something that was a deficiency the following year, has made him the best point guard in the league because every year he comes in a better player, and we haven't seen exactly where that peak of that stock is. He's just that stock 
that doesn't stop climbing. He's that we haven't seen it where it's peaking yet. And right now where it's peaking is, is the best point guard in the league because he has probably the best work ethic at the position in the league. And for a long time, you know, even on the show, I would yeah. say like Dame, there's a chance he could never make yeah. the, the all-star game as, as a guard in the Western conference, just because the West was so littered with guards. It was Westbrook and Chris Paul and Steph and just Clay two years ago. And, 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 and right. James Harden. This is right. just a couple of years ago. And those were the guards just in the Western Conference. So as far as getting voted into the All-Star game, that's still – and Portland is one of the best fan bases in all of in all of sports, not just, you know, basketball, but in all the sports. The Blazer fans are some of the best you'll find. You've been a ton of Blazer games. You've been a ton of Laker yeah, games, man. Absolutely. It's a different vibe, you know, when, when you're there. And so, yeah, I think Dame is at a point now to where he's really established himself as one of the best, and now he's a shoe-in for that All-Star spot. It's almost like, man, who is going to – he sh- probably should be a starter. Like, if you look at his numbers and look at what he's able to do, the, the the fact that the Blazers are still outside of the playoffs looking in is the reason I think Dame isn't starting in the All-Star game this year. No doubt. And I think also, you know, like, as a coach, I always tell my kids, you're either going to grow every year by addition or multiplication. And Damon literally has grown by multiplication. Like, this dude's game over the last eight years, like, he's steadily improved. So if you put Luca or Trey into this conversation with Damon Little, I don't even think it's fair because – you got to look at the body of work. Eight years, this dude been putting in work, right? Eight Doing years. it year after year. So we have to look at Luca, look at Trey over a five to eight year period before you even put them in the same conversation yeah. as Damian Lillard. I think it just, for, as far as Luca, it's, it's hard to ignore uh, six foot eight and can do some of the things that he's able no to doubt. do as far as handle the ball and really. Um, generate offense for his team just not outside of his scoring like it's kind of scary what that young man can do and I think Luca's only 20 I don't think he can buy a beer yet you know so he's only uh 20 years old you look at somebody like Ben Simmons who has every almost every tool that you could ask your point guard to have he's long he's athletic uh he has great court vision he's not the best shooter but shoot he still averages about 20 points a game and he can't shoot yet like that's you know that's that's pretty raw talent there but Damian Lillard He's, I'm at the game against Utah when they played here in the Rose Garden here a couple, excuse me, the Moda Center here uh, a few, was it last week? Last Saturday, excuse me. And there are shots that Damian takes. It's like, that's a bad shot. You shouldn't have took that. But then I watch it back on replay or on the highlights. I'm like, man, that was a great shot. That's, I mean, just step through two defenders, kind of hang up in the air and just float almost like a young Eric Knox, you know, at a, at a point. <laughs> at a, I will say this, man, like, to your point, and that is, is that I always heard just around the city that Damian Lillard could not create a shot off the dribble as well as C.J. McCollum. That was uh, that was the that was a little knock. Yeah, little, and little, C.J. was a better scorer at the rim. Was yeah. the was a lot of the conversation. Yeah, and th- that kind of has this year shifted. Like he doesn't need as much help in terms of pick and roll action to get his shot off, uh, and that's what's making him unique and on top of that he's becoming more and more of a two-way player oh he's yeah he's not the best defender but he's a sufficient defender and i right? think i think for defense you know defense is it's energy and effort right yes. i think at the end of the day that's that's all defense is are you willing to put the energy in to trying to stay in front of somebody yeah. you don't have to shut them down i think the the goal is to make it difficult though right yeah. you know if you're playing a, a great offensive player uh, a Steph Curry, a Kevin Durant. There's nothing you're going to be able to do about Nobody's those stopping, guys. Nobody. You're not stopping those guys. Right. You're just, the best you can do is get a hand in his face, uh, get a hand on his body, and just try to make things difficult for him. Right. And I think now Dame is at that point to where he understands that, you know, you have to be a well-rounded player. The, the reason I loved Kobe wasn't just because he was a great offensive player. That's exactly what it was. He was one of the most gifted, arguably the most gifted offensive player 
that we've ever seen. You could really make no that doubt. argument. Period. The thing that made including him so Jordan. different, including Jordan, yep. the thing that made him so different is he was nine times first team all defense. So he knew he was going to give it to you on the offensive end, but then he was going to shut everything down on the defensive side. Like those little intangibles are, I think, what makes players great. That's the reason we still consider LeBron the best of the best. There's a reason we, we consider Giannis a top two or three player in the league. It's because that defensive side that they have, it's he's a complete player. And Dame is on his way to being uh, the most well-rounded point guard in the entire NBA, I think. No, I mean, not named Steph Curry, but of course Steph's not playing, but... Well-rounded. Uh, but Steph well is a worse defender than, than Dane. True, but Steph, man. Steph is special, but yeah. Steph is, and as a coach, and yeah. as a coach, this is something I say all the time, and let me know if I'm wrong. I would, I could never teach my player to shoot the way Steph does. No. Steph, Steph makes bad shots, and because they go in, you're just like, oh, well, psh, that boy's bad. Well, we see him oftentimes like, don't pull up for that, splash. Uh, okay, there's nothing. Dame has that in him. Like Dame will pull up from just the just the head of the logo, logo Lillard is what they've been calling him, and knock that down. That's but, a bad shot by most sure. accounts. But, but okay, so but if you take like the game has evolved, right? And those shots that we used to call, I, I used to call them bad as a coach that's been coaching sixteen years. I used to think those kind of shots were bad shot. But what Steph Curry and Damon Lillard have done for the league is really establish a new normal. Oh yeah. Like, right, like that bad shot is actually a good shot. If you're open. An encouraged shot. If it's open, let it yeah, fly. Absolutely. Right? You know, both of them have a strap. And, you know, they're, they're changing the way the game is. It's positionless. It's long ball. You got to hit the three. And the line means nothing. Right? No. If, you have to, if you're shooting just from the line itself, that's dang near considered a layup. Right? Five feet, ten feet from the line, like. These are that, difficult shots now. Yes. Yeah. What if what if they move the three-point line back? You know, if it's become obviously a little bit too easy for a lot of these guys, maybe just move it back an extra foot. Or how about a four-point? You know what? I, I have a friend, uh, Jay Money, who yeah. likes to text in, and yeah. he's all about the four-point shot. I love it. And if there's, any, if there's any league that's up for kind of innovating, it would be the NBA yeah. and trying to add something like a four-point shot. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go ahead and break. But coming up next, man, trade deadline came and went. Who got better? Who stayed the same? And does it even matter? We'll talk about that next. But first, Jesse S. Sports Center. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.33, Sunday, the... Ninth. I didn't know what day it was. I had to actually kind of look over right. here. Luckily, it's at the bottom of the computer. Otherwise, I would be lost um, in most cages. Most cages. Words. Cases. Good morning. Like cases. Yeah. Cases. Yeah. yeah. That's, Good morning. Like right? You know, if I can get these words right. Uh, Lynch is out again uh, for the day. So it is myself and Jesse Osmond. I have special guest, my guy, Mr. Eric Knoxon. He is the executive director for Holla Mentors. He's also the head basketball coach for the Benson Girls State Champions, you know, uh, defending, defending, reigning and defending state champions. Uh, So really, I just wanted to kind of check in with you. I want to ask you about that. So I was actually at Benson in 2014 when you came and took over the program. Um, I remember what the program was like. I remember there were a few young ladies on that team that were really, really good. But then for the most part, not really. You know, they're like there was a lot of people that were just still learning to play basketball, hadn't really been taught how to play. And then you come in and the first year was a struggle. Yeah. The first year 
didn't win a lot of games, had a lot of uncoordination on on the team, and a lot of people that, uh, in some cases, this was their first year playing basketball, and they're playing at a, at a varsity uh, level. So that was kind of the the pool. And if you don't know anything about Benson at the time, and I'm not sure if they still do it, you had to write a letter to get into that school. Absolutely. And do you still have to do that? Still got to write a letter. So you have to write a letter. And, and then the lottery. From, and then and, and wait for the lottery. So after you wrote the letter, it may or may not have mattered because then they wait go to a lottery. And in that, sometime they only let in about 230, 240 kids. You know, some, yeah, yep. 275 kids. Yep. Sometimes you don't get the best pick of the litter, no. you know, every year. And then with, you know, kids transferring and some other things, you don't get to keep great talent. And then you come in and it seemed like you changed – the way people thought of Benson and thought of especially girls basketball here in Portland, what was the biggest thing that you bought to that school that I guess wasn't there before? Uh, I mean, the, the year that I was there, the first year we set an OSA record for the boys programs as a whole. So football team went over, didn't win a game that year. Basketball team went over, didn't win a game that year. That Baseball football team, that yeah. football team actually had Kendrick Bourne who actually just play, played, for the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl. Kendrick was on that 0 for team. Yes, did not win a game. So, you know, what was on the table at the district level was, should we cut Benson Sports? And there was also, should we get rid of Benson as a school? So, you know, I wanted to disprove that, number one. Number two, there wasn't any black girl, black and brown girl basketball teams in the state of Oregon. USA Today says that uh, Portland is the whitest city in America. So for me... uh, there had never been a black girl basketball team that had won a state championship at the highest level. And I wanted to do that. And I knew it was possible. So even though we were terrible, like the first year, 2014, we lost six games by 60 points. When you said you had a couple kids that could play, I had one and she blew her knee out the first play of the first game of the season. I remember that. So we were basically a JV2 team playing varsity, getting smashed. So so fast forward. Yes. And so now it's 2019. You're playing for the state championship at the Child Center. Uh, take me through those emotions. You've gone through everything. You've seen the worst of the worst, and you've built your program up to a point to where now everybody knows that Benson girls basketball is not just on the map, but they're setting up residence, you know, wherever they want to go. How did it feel to see the clock strike zeros and know that you were the state champion? So let me put it in context. Here we are. I'm sitting there, and I'm dumbfounded. First game, nervous. Calm down, because I think to myself, you know what? <clears throat> I don't know why it hit me in that moment, the historical context of being there. Number one, we're the smallest school uh, in, in the tournament at the 6A level. We're the only school with a free and reduced lunch program, 78%. third of our girls were wearing track shoes two years prior. Um, many of our girls couldn't even come out. Uh, for basketball because they couldn't even afford the $35 participation fee. And here we are at the state tournament. That's awesome. And then we get to the state championship game, and then we smash Southridge by 24 points and do something memorable and historic. Absolutely. If you'd asked me, I, I knew we'd get to the state tournament. I knew we had a chance one day to get to a state finals game. But to beat them in the manner that we beat them, I you couldn't have scripted it better no you it, it was I was always actually at that game I couldn't get to you because everybody was 
doing a little celebrating, and I understand. But yeah. man, you you made uh, the city of Portland incredibly proud, man. I was man super happy for you. I sent you a message that night, but I think you were just so busy, had man, so much going. Million. Yeah, really? no, had I, and I'm sure you, you would, man. But uh, you made a lot of people proud, and uh, I think that's the overall goal. I've never won a state championship in anything. I competed for one in track, but I got like eighth or something like that when I was there. So it's awesome that you were able to really change uh, the way they saw uh, Benson basketball. But I just want to check in with you about that, man, yeah, because it, it was real. Man, I'd be, I'd be remiss if I got you all the way here on the show and didn't ask you about this incredible run uh, that you had. Um, somebody else is on an incredible run is the Los Angeles Lakers. Hey. And the Lakers have been in the midst of trade talks but didn't quite make any moves. Good or bad move for your Lakers? They're... They got the best record in the NBA. Am I right? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm correcting that. Um, you but know, second best, they have the best record in the Western Conference. Okay, only behind Milwaukee. Yeah. Okay. So, and and this is West. This is a rough Western conference, right? It's tough. So it's tough. So you know, could they have made moves and improved the roster? Absolutely. Could they have dealt Kuzma and and got a better third option? Yeah, but I, I think they're going to be. Just fine. I think them staying intact to to see if they can make this run and and win an NBA final. I think I have zero problems with that. So I think for most people, it's a I think it's a foregone conclusion that either the Lakers or the Clippers will represent okay. the Western Conference in the NBA Finals this year. Um, did it? Did, did any of the trades even matter for any of the teams? Because I'm I'm, I'm of the belief that none of it really matter. I don't think any of them matter. Like I think. Um, Obviously, Wiggins going Wiggins going to the Warriors is huge for the Warriors moving forward. Right next year for the Warriors, I think that's a great move for them. Uh, it's pretty much just a I don't want to call him an upgrade of Harrison Barnes, but somebody who's about this comparable to what Harrison Barnes was for you, maybe just a little more athletic um, than Harrison Barnes was at that point. But still, uh, I think it's an okay trade for you. But that's for next year. Like none of the none of the moves that happen right now uh, prepare any team to really dethrone the Lakers or the Clippers this year. And I don't think trading Kuzma for someone else is going to address any issue with the Lakers. The only issue that the Lakers got to address, and that's going to be decided after All-Star Weekend, is where Darren Collinson's going to go, right? The point guard who sat out the last year. If we get Darren Collinson, uh, a nice backup point guard that that can score, that's going to upgrade us majorly. I kind of thought, and I heard some rumors that the Lakers were gunning for Derrick Rose. And it's hard to talk Portland right now. Look, obviously, Portland lost Scalabissier. Um, I think they got back some money, you know, which is something they needed. But Scalabissier isn't somebody that really helps the Blazers now. So that's why we're really not talking a lot of Blazers trade because there's nothing that, you know, that that was a, not even a really lateral move for the Blazers. They got to get healthy. They have to, and I think that's the big thing right now. The Blazers healthy. are in a situation where they don't need additional depth. They need health. Yeah. They need a new leg for Nurkic. They need a new ankle or a new Achilles for Rodney. And you need a new shoulder for Zach. You get those three guys back in your lineup, and all of a sudden you're looking at a much different Blazers team. And so uh, we definitely think that will happen. But overall, the only other trade that was really worth mentioning, I think Drummond got sent to – Jesse, where did Andre Drummond get sent to? You don't, don't know either? Don't sleep yeah. on Eagle Adala over – Iguodala, yes. Iguodala to Miami. Iguodala to Miami is something that's incredibly underrated because we haven't, man, between uh, Bam and between, uh, to who now? 
Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, that sucks for him. Like, I mean, you went from Detroit to Cleveland. Yeah. Like, that's even worse. That's right. a that's worse than a lateral move. But Iguodala uh, was huge, man. But really, Miami gets rid of Deion Waiters, Justice Winslow. Guys they didn't really like in the first place, Justice they used, but not like that. But Iguodala comes in, and he was obviously not going to play in Memphis. Memphis, the, the young guys in Memphis didn't really – wanted to have anything to do with Iguodala, and now you give his length and his athleticism to that and Miami team. his championship experience. His championship I mean, experience. Like, this is a team in Miami. Jimmy Butler is quietly one of the best players in the league. No doubt. Nobody ever talks about Jimmy Buckets as being a top five, top ten player, but I think he is, just yeah. considering he he's one of, those guys, one of those guys that's a two-way guy. And he's Offense, one of the top defense. three competitors Absolutely. in the NBA. So. Absolutely. So I think that was a big one for the Eastern Conference. So they might – have just given themselves enough to enough to at least push yeah. uh, the Milwaukee Bucks going into the playoffs. Okay, uh, coming up next. What is coming up next? Let me look. Have says, up oh, Blazers playoffs. Let's talk about it when we come back right here on the fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. So if you hear this song, uh, guaranteed it wasn't me that picked it out. Uh, This is one of the death metal songs by one Mike Lynch. Uh, I'm always so surprised at how he can listen to death metal. That's, that's no disrespect to anyone who may love death metal, but I'll be honest, it gives me a, a migraine. Creates a lot of anxiety in me. Yeah, it's one of those things, like if I'm working out, then I feel like it'd be fun, but I feel like I'd work out so hard that I would pop the, a blood vessel or something silly. But Don't mind it till the vocals pop in, and then I'm like, out. Yeah, and I'm then out. they make that sound. Like, bruh, 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 bruh. I was like, yeah. okay, whatever that means. I mean, I, I think we, we can have right. a really successful career as, you know, like metal, a metal band. Just if we just, you don't look like you have to say anything. You had the hair, not anymore. Had it. You had it, but, you know, we'll have to figure out. I don't think anybody wants to see a black dude doing death metal. I'm sure they're out there. I'm positive they're out there. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying, I just said, I'm sure nobody wants to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm positive that, that it's out there. But what we do want to see is a Blazers playoff run. Uh, the Blazers spoiled uh, the fans of Portland last year, uh, maybe overachieved a little bit uh, in route to the Western Conference Finals where they lost to Golden State 4 1 or 4 4 nothing, excuse me. But uh, that run for the playoffs, I think it gave everybody in Portland some hope that. The Blazers had finally arrived. They had finally arrived, and they're ready uh, to take that next big step, which would mean uh, making it to the finals and possibly even winning um, said finals. This hasn't been the year that the Trail Blazers have expected, let alone their fans. Currently, Portland is at 24-29, and fourth in the Northwest Division. So that's a, a big reason why that game against Utah meant so much. Uh, to that team, you're you're jockeying for position, and then this is a, a division rival for you, so you really really wanted that win, but the Blazers might have might have dug themselves a hole that's a little too deep to get out of. Um, you look around the Western Conference right now, and there are a lot of teams playing uh, a lot of solid basketball in the West. You know, we don't have to really mention the Lakers and uh, and the Clippers because we know kind of what to expect from them. But we still don't know all the way what to expect from Houston. You know, they're in a position that we're not used to seeing, and a lot of that could be uh, the Russell Westbrook effect 
you know, he's just one of those guys that doesn't seem to bring a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Positive results to your team. Um, so it's just, it's just one of those things I'm, I'm looking right now. And then you look at this young Memphis team who's maybe just too silly or too young to know that they're not supposed to be as good as they are right now. But that team is really good and really stinking young right now. And they look like they're ready to make that next step within the next year or so. Man, man, John Morant. Oh, he's an I don't know if you're paying attention, but that boy is real. Like, his game is special. Um, if he had a jumper, a consistent jumper, man, he he might be one of the top four or five point guards in, oh, yeah. in the whole league right now. It's it's hard to, you know, if you have a kid that's about six foot four, six foot five, with those, those long arms and that athletic ability that he has to be able to take off and dunk the way he does and finish around the rim the way he's able to do. But his leadership, that's the thing I like yeah. about John Moran. He's not afraid. No. He's If you look at the games, like he's John at yeah. James Harden and he's jawing at, you know, whatever the, whoever the best player on the other team is. There is no fear in that young man, and I love it. But John Moran is like, he's a product of how he got there. He wasn't a McDonald American. He played at a mid-major. Uh, nobody knew who he was after his freshman year. And then he broke out on to the scene after his sophomore year. And, you know, he plays with a chip on his shoulder. Like, he plays like he's still trying to prove a point. And that's what's making him so successful on top of all his athleticism, his skill, um, his IQ, and his leadership. That He's just – he's, in my opinion, rookie of the year. Oh man, I, I, it would be hard to disagree with that. Is anybody better than him right now? No, as a rookie, I don't. I don't think so. You know, as a rookie, I think there's. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, Tyler Hero before he went down, but he wasn't doing what Ja Morant, no. you know, was able to do. So no. currently, they have the rookie of the year, but the Blazers have somebody that could be considered an MVP, that no. should be considered an MVP if he were in the play, playoff race. And right now, the Blazers are two, three and a half games back from the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, or is that two and a half? Yeah, two, yeah, and, a two half and a half games. games. Two and a half games back from the Memphis Grizzlies. They're not going to catch Dallas. Dallas is, they're eight games, you know, ahead, uh, behind Dallas. So they're not going to catch the Mavericks. And once Luka comes back from injury, it looks like they're going to pick up. And it's going to be business as usual. So really the number that the Blazers are looking for is the AC. Yeah. Here's my question, though. As a Blazer fan, and this is, I'm, I'm a yeah. dire Blazers Absolutely. fan. Absolutely. How good is that for, for the Blazers? I, I, I think that's a... It's almost like asking for a, a a death wish because your prize for getting the eighth spot is a first round date with the Lakers. You know now now mind you, if the if the Blazers can get back Nurkic and Collins by that time, if they were let's say by some you know divine intervention, the Blazers are able to make the uh, the playoffs and they get that AC and they end up playing the Blazers in the first or the Lakers in the first round. If they get Nurkic back and if they get Collins back, I think they have a shot. They could win. Do I think they will win? No, because I think the Lakers are just LeBron is playing some of the best basketball, if you can believe that, of his career, you know, here in year uh, 16 that he has. Dwight Howard looks like uh, he's reinvigorated and at least has a little more pep in his step. You know, he's feeling good about playing for a winner, and that's good. Uh, Kuzma's happy he didn't get traded, right. and now he can finish out the rest of his year as a Laker, and then obviously Anthony Davis who quietly has been a top five player in the league this year, but playing alongside LeBron, people don't really look at you like that. If I'm the Blazers, like I'm almost kind of like, man, and I'm, I'm don't like the word tank. I hate the word tank because I think that, and that says that you've given up. 
in a way, and you know that it, that's kind of over. But I don't I don't know what, what this does for your confidence or what this does for you moving forward if you do indeed make the playoffs and get that AFC. And even if you do get Nurkic, I mean, just taking a page from Gordon Hayward's recovery with the same, similar injury, you're just not going to be that same player. You're not going to have that same rhythm. Um, so I don't know how much he's going to help them. But, I mean, if they can sneak into that A spot, I think that's good. I think, you know, they think about uh, in in the wake of Kobe and them going down there and playing in a real tough environment and playing at, you know, a super high level. They got a shot. You know, yeah. I, I, I'd be scared. I mean, as a Laker fan, I wouldn't want to see the Trailblazers at eight. Well, at the end of the, at the end of the day, like we can say what we want to, but there's no answer for Damian Lillard. Exactly. There's no. I mean, the Lakers don't have an. Just much the way nobody has an answer for LeBron. There's no answer for what Damian Lillard can do. When you have a guy like Steph and Dame that can shoot from the logo, how do you guard that? Like as as a as a point guard guarding him, you know, and he's bringing the ball up the floor, but you know he can pull up the minute he crosses the half court yeah. line. How do you guard that? Yeah. There's you, you what, do you, what do you tell your players at that point? You know, there's nothing you can do about a guy like Damian Lillard. So because they have Dame, they have a shot. It's just frustrating because, like, it's just, man, how many times has Blazer fans seen this story? How many times have we been like, okay, they they have a shot at that 7th, 8th. If they play really hard, they play out of their mind, like they can squeeze into that 7th spot. And what does that do? Maybe, like, if they're very lucky, uh, uh, you make a – a run into the second round and then probably get steamrolled or something the way they did a couple of years ago. It's just, we've seen this before and we've seen this before and you see the talent and you go, well, you know what? The, you, we've said it. This isn't the year you, you have how many important pieces to this team that are just not coming back this season, or they're not coming back at a hundred percent this season. But well, what do they do down in Golden State? All right, well, <laughs> lost a really important piece to an ACL. Another one left the team, and he wasn't going to play anyways because, you know, he, he had a season-ending injury last year. And then Steph hurt his hand. You know, you know what we'll do? We'll we'll retool this year. And, and what are they doing? They're retooling. They went out. They, I mean, they, they're going to get a top pick just themselves. They went out and got another pick by trading a piece that they signed in free agency. They knew they were just going to trade away anyway. And all of a sudden, you, you're going to look at back next year's Golden State Warrior fan and be like, last year sucked, but wow, man. All of a sudden, you got Clay Thompson come back. You got Steph. Now Andrew Wiggins is in this mix. You still got Draymond Green. like, And, oh, yeah, two first-round guys, uh, one of which will be a top three, top four pick in this year's draft. So, yes, you're absolutely right. Golden State, if you're going to quote-unquote tank – that's the way you do it. You know, I think that's it was it's embracing a, their fate, not tanking. They just embraced the fate that right. was given to them to, this year, right? They go, you know what? We've had a really good run. Those pieces, just for whatever reason, multiple reasons, weren't there this year. Embrace it. And, and it's worked out. But if the Warriors revitalize Wiggins' career? Oh, man. That, that could be, be huge. That could huge. be huge for, you know, Andrew Wiggins is somebody who's had, you know, first overall pick in, in the draft. And just never lived up to the potential that he had coming out of Kansas. Like at Kansas, I can't even say he was the best player in college. I can't. I can't even really remember who was from Andrew Wiggins' year, but I just remember being like, "Oh, he's good. Yeah. You know, he's a good young player." Like and you know, you're looking at a guy, right? He, he's he's already ha- he's had a, a, a couple practices under Steve Kerr. First game of the season under Steve Kerr, best shooting percentage of the season most steals of the season like 
already looks better than he did all season long, just with a couple practices under Kurt. And I think a lot of that is, yeah. I think a lot of that is, yeah. man. And you can tell me if I'm wrong, coach. When you play with better talent and you know that you play for a team that's gonna be good, yeah. it, you might be a little more motivated. You, I look at somebody from your team, Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard, we forgot that he was in the league. Jesse's quick. Who did Dwight Howard play for last year? Uh, I, I think know. it was Atlanta. Atlanta. I think it was Atlanta. Atlanta. I couldn't, Atlanta. but mind you, I didn't know that either. And but then I had to really think about that. But he's somebody that's came out this year and knows that he has an opportunity to really have an impact on a championship t- on a championship team or on a great roster. Man, he's a whole different cat yeah. all of a sudden. I think you're gonna see a lot of that from Wiggins. Wiggins just needs to play. I mean, every time I watch Wiggins play, he just seems so listless on the floor. And now I think this is going to inspire him because he's going to a program that has championship DNA in it. He's going to respect the coach. He's going to respect the players around him. And Draymond's going to motivate him. And I think if that guy plays motivated, the Warriors have never, outside of Iguodala, had an athlete like this. No, no. And if he can become a two-way player and defend, because they they prioritize defense. Like everybody talks about their offense, but man, they don't win no championships unless that team defense is great defensively. Absolutely. And if they if they get him playing defense with his athleticism, they gonna be a massive problem. He might be a a new and improved Eagle Dollar without Eagle Dollar's experience. No, that that and mind you, that's just more uh, a, another hurdle for Portland to get over. It's already Steph and Clay were a big enough you know road bump to get over, and now they'll have to deal. Uh, with somebody on the wing like Andrew Wiggins. But so. to the point of your trailblazers, I, I guess in closing, I would the, the biggest problem with the Blazers is I, I think we undersell uh, the loss of Harkless. And uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Steph? Or no, Cantor. Not Cantor. He went to New York, I think. Um, Harkless? <laughs> Just Har- got traded to New York last oh, night. Was it, was it but uh But no, there's uh, Seth Curry and Cantor. Um, Man, uh, he had the ugly uh, three, but it was effective. He knocked it down about six seven, could jump, pretty athletic. Oh, oh was it Aminu? Aminu. Oh, Aminu, a friend of the show. You know, Aminu is one of those guys that, you know, he was always to me Travis Outlaw without a lot of the skill of Travis Outlaw, if you can believe that. You know, yes, but they brought some athleticism. No, some length, some defense, and I think. Enough of that's not talked about in and, terms of what the Trailblazers are missing. And I think a lot of that, with with that said, I think going out and getting Trevor Ariza was a big reason to you know kind that. of fill that void. Ariza, that's what he does. Three and D, you know, come up, he's make some pretty athletic plays for you. And he comes from the school of Kobe, so he knows how to play hard and he knows how to get in there and play some great defense and make some things happen. My nephew played with Ariza in high school, Westchester High School, but man, Ariza's old. No, I mean, yeah. He, 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 he's what, 34 now? He's a 34, yeah, 35? Yeah, yeah he's yeah. not a, he's not a young, you know, he's not a spring chicken anymore. But right. I think that veteran player presence, along no with doubt. somebody like Carmelo on that team, could definitely help the Blazers as they move forward uh going to next yes, year. Okay. Sure. Coming up next, man, NFL season has ended. We're gonna give it a grade. We're gonna talk about the Super Bowl just a little bit. We're gonna dive in, maybe some things that stuck out and we remember. That's coming up next, right here on Sports Sunday in the Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.